Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Hollerbach. With me, two guests, Ben <laughs> Fulford and Charlie Robinson. This is Highway Diary, episode 328. How are you guys doing? I'm good. Very good. How are you doing, Eric? That's uh, the real question. Oh, I'm great. I'm great. I had a little car accident, uh, but uh, everything's fine. A, a truck tire exploded. Talking about the supply chain issues. A truck tire exploded in front of me and dented my fender, so I've been at the mechanic all day, but uh, it's okay. Um, let me, so we were talking off air about being in a feedback loop, and, you know, I know this from comedy. I know that Jim Norton, one of the best comics in America, n doesn't like watching David Tell because he starts to steal his jokes, or he starts to steal his cadence, and he makes him annoyed how funny he is. Do you have any feelings about that? Like, we're all friendly colleagues, but... Well yeah. There, there is the danger of what's known as preaching to the choir, where you have this group of people who know all the stuff that's going on, and they all agree with each other, and they, and they get on and say, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, me too. It's horrible. But uh, we're trying to get to the, uh, the brainwashed but otherwise intelligent people, and, 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 and that means we do have to be, you know, to try to change our tactics a bit so that we don't get stuck in this little circle of aware people. What do you think, Charlie? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I try to bring, is I, I, like with my shows, I try to bring as much humor to it, you know, to try and cap, capture some people with like uh, whatever it takes to get them, you know, to interested in this, in this subject matter uh, by making the scary stuff sound kind of like preposterous and funny. Uh, I feel like it gets the message out, and that's what we're trying to do. Like, I, I appreciate and, and am glad that I have the people that are, that buy books or listen to the podcast or whatever. But what I and I'm I'm grateful for them. But what I really want are the people out there that are just kind of blissfully ignorant to what's happening. I want them to uh, get you know read a little bit of this or hear a little bit of this show. I want that's who I'm really after. And sometimes you have to you have to kind of dumb it down a little bit, or or you know make it funny, or come at it from a different angle, you know. And and you know I, I know that I know that I receive information like the way John Stewart would do it back in the the good old days with Daily Show, you know, when it would be like a serious topic wrapped in like he was going to tell it in a funny way and and show sort of the absurdity of it. But you'd understand the story. You'd leave knowing that you you heard about that, and but it got in my brain in a different way. So that's you know I think that if some people bring a real serious tone to this information and 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 good and, and good for that, you know. The other thing, what I've tried to do recently, I looked at a survey of how people take their media, and I noticed that uh, the younger they are, the less likely they are to actually read stuff. They, they, they rely on video, which I suppose it's more natural, you know. I mean, we are originally built to, to communicate face-to-face, -face, not through little scribbles on paper. So I'm trying to get on to more uh, video-type stuff so that the message can get through. And, 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 and it's a learning curve, because my whole career has been as a print journalist. And we got to... But, uh, but uh, you know, I think that a lot of it uh, carries over. So, for example... You got to be short to the point. Uh, you don't go on and on and on. People have limited time. There, there's so much stuff out there. So you know. Uh, so today too, let's try to do that. Let's try to get to the meat. What's going on, so that we can get people, you know, real information here. 
All right. Well, I just want to say just about friend groups. Like, I also like so, sometimes comedians, you know, they laugh at each other's jokes even when it's not funny because of the friendship. And I think it's better to, uh, I don't know. Um, we have to resist tyranny. Like, our opponents are really, really well-oiled and they're really, really well-organized. And so we have to, um, okay. But they're transhumanists, and I wonder about the transhumanist issue. Why do the weirdos at Davos want to be transhumanists? And I was thinking about this, like, you know, if they're in a relationship, if they're in a marriage, you know, um, then one of them will use terms like narcissistic personality disorder, sociopath, and then dissolve a marriage. And what I find is, is fascinating is even Bill and Melinda Gates, you would think that they would be united under their hatred for humanity. They're both eugenicists. You, you know, they, they, their evil hate would bring them love. You would hope for, you know, but even they can't get it together. They just divorced. And I wonder if they want robot wives so that a robot wife would co-sign your narcissism. What, why, what's with the tr transhumanist agendas? The, these people are inspired by the German philosopher Nietzsche. They want to become like gods or supermen, and they want the rest of us to be... Uh, permanent slaves forever. Uh, so they, they're looking for a kind of a split into superhumans or ubermensch and uh, slave humans. And that's what they're pushing with this vaccine agenda as far as I'm concerned. What's well, the Fourth Reich? You know, this is the, the World Economic Forum is what, you know, what Jim Morris sort of speculated, the Fourth Reich, right? This that the Germany lost the war, but the Nazis won the war and they've spread out and there's this ideology out there. That's the World Economic Forum carries that forward with them, with their plan for humanity that involves what they call the fourth industrial revolution, that is the blending of man with machine. That's what they want. Um, but maybe there's a, a more spiritual component to this too. Maybe they know that what they have done is so reprehensible that they will be judged for their sins and therefore they are trying desperately to prolong the inevitable. Uh, keep themselves alive as as long as possible so that they don't have to face that ultimate judgment. I don't really believe that, but I think that I've heard people talk about that as a as a possibility. I think it's they're more sinister in their, in their desires to you know wanting to to live forever. I, I actually got invited to join them you know way back. I like uh, I remind people I got started. I was an economic journalist, business journalist, and I noticed that. All the Japanese companies uh, got handed over, the control of all the listed companies in Japan got handed over to these hedge funds that were, you know, State Street Bank, Banking, uh, Vanguard, Blackstone, and uh, BlackRock, and, and these were controlled by the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds. I followed the forensic trail, so then I confronted uh, Japanese finance minister Heizo Takanaka. I said, why did you do that? And, he, and you know... Um, and then I got invited to join them. I, they, they, and, and they said, you know, we, we can either kill you or you can become finance minister of Japan, but we've got this plan. We need to kill 90% of humanity in order to save the environment. And the reason they need to kill 90% of humanity is because, first of all, most of them are what they call useless eaters. They're just, you know, turning down forests and planting yams and not, you know, making products for, you know, for consumers. And, uh, and they're echo. They think so. This is a way to save the environment. And then, literally, they believe that when they win this uh, war of theirs, 
each one of them will have 2,800 slaves. This is uh, the, what I call the Chabad death cult, uh, whatever. They're, 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 they think that uh, they're destined to become the god kings of humanity, and they're desperately trying to do that. And we're in a battle to prevent this from happening. Um, November 22nd, 2021, Ben wrote on his blog, The pattern is the same. The ruling class facing bankruptcy and popular revolt increases representation of the population. This creates a negative feedback loop by causing ever more popular discontent until the military and police join the people and overthrow the ruling class. How do we break this feedback loop of paying for the police to protect the oligarchy when the oligarchy has the printing machine of the money? Well, the key, of course, is to take off their printing machine or take control of their printing machine away from them. And that's what I've been trying to do with these Asian elders. I'm saying, why are you, you know, years back when they came to me, I said, why are you paying them to kill you? You know, um, and they and there is a process of trying to cut them off. And each time it happens. OK, this has happened a few times. The first time the, the Taiwanese people said, you've got to give us back our gold. And the, the day they're supposed to give that give back the gold was November 12th, uh, 2001, and then they, they did 911. They, they, you know, blew everything out, said, hell with you, we're going to invade the Middle East, you know. And then uh, another time when, was uh, Fukushima, uh, where they said, all right, you know, if you don't give us all your money, uh, we're going to sink Japan into the ocean. And the Japanese kind of caved in and handed over their, you know, foreign exchange to these people. And then last year, it was this bloody pandemic. They, they missed a payment on... January 31st, 2020, and they, re they responded with this crazy pandemic. But we're still at it. We're still trying to cut them off, and uh, it's slowly working. You can see that with the economic collapse in the United States, because they don't control real stuff. They don't control the reality. They control this hallucination known as the financial system, but it's not reality. Charlie, you've been talking about every time you go to the grocery store, what a good tip this is. Buy three extra cans of food. And I've been doing that, and I got stacks of sardines. I got, all, I got chicken noodle soup. Hey, as long as <laughs> you know, it works now, it seems like you know, the coin clipping is just inflation. This is just a process we've seen over and over again. Collapse. My advice is to get a big sack of beans and a big sack of rice. It's a lot cheaper. Uh, it's not going to set you back. It'll set you back a hundred bucks to have a couple months supply worth of beans and rice. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's such a good idea. Well, I have a sponsor that that that's uh, you know my Patriot Supply. So it's like I talk about them and that, but I say like if you don't, if that's out of your price range uh, or you're not interested in that, like just at least start thinking about that. Get some rice. Get some beans. Get you know get some extra cans of food. Whatever start thinking about that because you don't you, you just you'd rather be two months early than a day late on that stuff and you don't want to get into a, a situation where you have to compete against the normies who are going to be very scared and confused and unsure why all this stuff is happening like we recognize what's going on with the supply chain we understand that you print 40 percent of all u.s dollars in 2020 that's a recipe for hyperinflation we understand this so when the government comes out with the, with their co-conspirators in the media and tries to talk about how inflation is transitory and how it's not a thing and we're all just imagining it 
you know better than that because we've got this education about what's actually going on. So we're going to be prepared a little bit more. So, I, you know, I tell people, like, yeah, you'll get punished for watching these conspiracy shows, you know. You'll get laughed at or mocked or whatever. But, but take advantage of at least the one component of that is that you're going to be getting a different version of information, different from anything you'll hear elsewhere. And you're going to have access to ideas that most people aren't really thinking of. So act on that. You, you know that there's supply chain issues. You know there's inflation issues. Be proactive. Stop being reactive. So it's like take advantage of the, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get laughed at for liking this stuff. You might as well get some benefit out of it. And that's advanced knowledge of what's coming. Like the shit Ben's been writing about is like, it's like a crystal ball. You know, it's like looking a couple months into the future, and it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it happened. Really? He laid well, okay. it all out. Speaking about crystal ball, here's the thing, okay? This is, it took me a long time to figure this out. I'm, I keep, I'm, recently, I started repeating this a lot so that people understand. Why hasn't the dollar collapsed? Why is it that they printed so much uh, money and it hasn't collapsed? And the answer is that the dollar is not American. There's many kinds of dollars. So I'll give you an example. This uh, a guy came to me from the U.S. and I traded cash U.S. dollars for yen. I took these yen to the local Mitsubishi bank and they said, we cannot accept these dollars. Then I took these dollars to a bank in Canada in the summer when I went back and they accepted them. And there are, in other words, so for example, every time China has a trade surplus with the United States, they print the amount of that trade surplus in dollars, they put it in warehouses in China. So. What's happening is that the dollars that are produced by the people who control the Federal Reserve Board in the EU, they are not being accepted for uh, transactions outside of their control zone. So inside the United States, they can print all these dollars, they can hand people welfare checks, and they can goose the stock, stock market. So what's happening now is we're trying to cut them off. So um, that's why all the Chinese uh, companies are being delisted in the United States. It's because they say, okay, what they're doing is they're using this U.S. stock market to launder their funny money into China uh, to gain control of China. So we're going to cut that off. And the other thing they've, they've done is they've stopped paying on the bonds and stuff that they bought, uh, you know, f from Chinese uh, real estate companies and stuff. So in other words, we're trying to isolate their control of finance, and it's slowly working. And that's why, unfortunately, there's going to be a collapse of things the United States because that's the necessary precondition for building something new and better. We've got to let this whole rotten system go down. Uh, and that's what's going on. We're going to build back better. <laughs> we're going to build back better. That sounds awesome. Well, we're talking about building an entire new capital in Idaho <clears throat> and, and turning Washington, D.C. into a museum <laughs> and a tourist zone. After they fumigate it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's apparently going on. I mean, I, I hear all these stories about um, the tunnels under Washington, D.C. being cleaned out. And, and uh, I try to get people who actually go there to, to, to tell me stuff because, you know, in these days where you can pre practically fake anything on a screen, um, it's important to have first-hand intelligence. So I try to get people who are actually there to give me stuff. And, and there is something. Washington, D.C. is not where the United States is being run now. You can confirm that for sure. Yeah, I, I got a question. What is going on? 
with the Biden administration. There is a fakeness to it that is very unusual. It's not it's not soup it's not really over the top, but it's just little things here and there. It's a green screen clip, you know, an arm going through, a microphone. It's the fact that he's built this sort of weird replica of the Oval Office out in a sound stage and is doing the vaccine things there and all that weirdness and 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 you hear stories of a three-fourth size White House built in Georgia and all. And I, I just, I've never in my life, I mean, I thought Washington, D.C. was a weird place. But I've never thought it reminded me of a movie so much. I feel like we're watching like a presidential television show. Like, what exactly do you think is happening there? Well, it, it, what's happening is that <clears throat> we have a conflict between the families that own the Fortune 500 companies, and this includes Google and Apple and uh, Facebook and all that kind of stuff, and, and Amazon, and they're desperately, I mean, when corporations try to take over government, it's known as fascism, and the U.S. military tried to resist, they, they cleaned out Washington, D.C., they arrested a whole bunch of people, but they didn't have the money because... Um, they didn't have control of the money system, which is why they had to withdraw to Mount Cheyenne and to the Tool Air Base in uh, Greenland and get the hell out of Washington, D.C. But they, they, they sanitized it. So these corporate owners, because they lost access to Washington, D.C., they just started using Amazon Studios and then the, the CNN and the complex in Atlanta, Georgia, to keep this media show that appears to be a government going. But outside of the United States, uh, there's a growing recognition that this is uh, completely fake, and, and they're not respected at all. So are there like two columns? Is the is Trump still with the military column when they're fighting the Biden hologram? Well, the problem is Trump himself is not um, a pure individual. Like, if you look at uh, magazines like uh, uh, Forbes or the newspapers like Wall Street Journal, you'll notice that every time he went bankrupt as a businessman, he was bailed out by the Rothschilds. And Trump has been pushing vaccines for something that, uh, you know, freedom of information requests have been made to health authorities all over the world. They can't prove this thing exists, this COVID-19 exists as an actual virus. Uh, and yet they're trying to vaccinate everybody. And, and Trump was going along with it. So I think Trump was a kind of a, you see, you cannot run for president in this corrupt system unless they have complete dirt on you. And then something happened. They, they, Because all the military left the Trump regime before January 31st, 2020. They all left. Uh, you know, all the ex-military were in his regime. And he went up full head and pushed vaccines. And then <clears throat> when the election was blatantly stolen, the military, according to General Michael Flynn, offered to overthrow the stolen election, and he, he turned it down. So I'm afraid he's been a, a bit of a Pied Piper uh, for Patriots. He's kind of been a controlled opposition. I hate to say it, but, but the, the results are there. So uh, I think people, you know, but he still, I think that the Trump image can be used and that control can be taken over of Trump to, as a temporary measure to get rid of this Biden nightmare. But my understanding of the Biden show is that it's controlled by the Rockefellers, mainly, more than the Rothschilds. 
So that's the split between the carbon tax people and the genocide people, and they're always fighting. You said something interesting about um, some cash being accepted in some countries and some not in others. I had, a pr I had a friend whose grandma worked in the New York Fed, and I go, oh, let's hang out tomorrow. He's like, oh, no, I'm going to this crazy island tomorrow. And I go, what? He's like, well, yeah, I'm staying at this five-star resort. It's in this exclusive, con you know, whatever. And uh, I was like, that's crazy. And he's like, well, my grandma pays for it. It's her job. So the grandma being a board member of the Fed, it was her job to take her family on a lavish vacation. We're talking 20 people on a lavish, all-expense-paid all vacation to just pump Fed cash there. What? Some people have to work for a living. It's a little frustrating hearing that story where it's like, oh, your mom's job is spending money. Well, you know, they—that's their job is to try to get this funny money actually into the real economy. So yeah, they do that. I mean, uh, I remember Bank of Japan. They, the Bank of Japan came out with these two thousand yen bills, and they weren't popular. So Bank of Japan officials were going out with stacks of two thousand yen bills and buying stuff to try to get this new paper into the system. So that—that's part of it. Uh, so, uh, but again, like I repeat, they. They have lost the ability to use that money in so many parts of the world that it's really starting to hurt. Mm. Um, you once told me, Mr. Fulford, that you, to circumvent censorship, you had this great idea and you're going to have your own network in Switzerland. And then your blog starts saying Switzerland is the head of the Hydras, the Octacon group. They're the bad guys. And, uh, and then you were putting out all these videos once a week on your blog. And then they all disappeared one day. And I was like... Oh, Ben, of all the places you can pick to operate your independent network at, why the head of the high, why the bad guys? Why are you in the bad well, guys super late? Okay, look, Switzerland is not a monolith. The, the problem in Switzerland is, is concentrated around Lake Geneva, where you have these 200 international organizations. They issue their own passports. They, they, they are diplomatically immune. In other words, they can go anywhere in the world, commit a crime, and then when the police arrest them, they show them a fancy passport and say, sorry, you can't do it, touch me. It's those people. <clears throat> and I think a lot of the Swiss people are angry at that they're there in their own country because the Swiss are very independent-minded people. Remember, the, the original Robin Hood, William Cowell, was in Switzerland. So, <clears throat> and as far as the server is concerned, uh, you know, we moved to Switzerland. I used to be on Amazon servers, uh, and I thought, well, no, I don't think I want to be beholden to um, Mr. Bezos, you know, even though I don't disagree with a lot of what he says. Um, but that pro that server has been okay. But it, we do have contingency plans to move to Iceland if they try to do something. <clears throat> the problem with the videos being taken down, that was um, corporate. That that ended up being uh, that this, the company we are using was ultimately connected to this about and own the Fortune 500 companies, so we we found a, a place that will do the videos without censorship. So we moved that. So it's all being successfully uh, transferred. <coughs> to Rumble, huh? You go to Rumble. Yeah, it's a Canadian company apparently that's against censorship. Um, well, uh, we tried to get Mr. Corbett on this podcast mostly because he just did this amazing. Uh, video with Whitney Webb, who I have a lot of respect for. Um, so this is James Corbett, Whitney Webb, talking about how the controllers are finding new new markets. 
they view the opportunity, as they call it, um, as, as the fact that what they refer to as nature's economy, assigning uh, economic value to nature, uh, allows them to tap into a much larger asset class than the existing economy. So by their estimates, existing assets are at about $512 trillion uh, per their estimates by opening up nature's economy, uh, they can gain access to four quadrillion uh, in, in assets. And that's expressly what they describe as the opportunity here, not the opportunity to save the planet and better manage natural assets or conserve or any of this. The opportunity is, uh, you know, new, new fodder for the casino, essentially. Oh, so they just own the real estate of the whole world, like the ocean, like Ghislaine Maxwell was trying to do, and then just that's just some on my a line item on my oh. thing that I can print money from. So it's just it's just a real estate issue. I I remember in university in economics class, I said, you know, what about nature? And they said, well, nature has no value. It's no it has no value unless it's turned into a product. So what's happening is the uh, the global warming faction, who I consider the moderates in the cabal, are saying, all right, well, if, if we can, maybe we can save nature by, by turning it into a commodity, by giving it a value. But in their own way, <clears throat> those people uh, are the moderate faction. The reason is, if you go back to the 2000 election, we had Al Gore talking about carbon taxes and global warming and all that kind of stuff, and he was beaten by the Nazis who stole the election, and they, they used death threats and murder. Uh, to, to steal that election in 2000. And so what happened was the, the, the Committee of 300 under Queen Elizabeth and that whole faction lost control of the United States to the faction that wanted to kill 90% of humanity, the, the Nazis. And so I put out feelers to this faction thinking, all right, well, you know, maybe we can reach some sort of deal. And uh, at a deep level, a deal has been reached between this particular faction of the elite and the Asian royals, which is, they agreed, okay, <clears throat> first of all, we said, all right, carbon doesn't cause global warming, and we're not going to go along with that. But they agreed that we have a, a huge campaign to increase the amount and variety of life, including human life. So there's a basic agreement at that level, saying let's increase life. The problem is now is that uh, the, the factions who are controlling this vaccine, uh, who want to kill 90% of humanity, are fighting to the death to prevent this uh, agreement from being carried out. And that's the battle we're facing now. And, and uh, we are winning. We are going to win because they don't control the real world. And they're losing control of the military. So it's just, it's just a matter of time. But that's what's going on. So I understand all the nonsense about this uh, green economy that they were pushing, you know. Uh huh. But, but uh, they're still, you know, basically trying to do good in their own way, and of course, make money at the same time. But you know, what I mean, you gotta deal with the devil sometimes in order to get things done. And, and these are the lesser devils. What, what do you think about this, Charlie? Well, I, I I talked to Whitney about this actually on her show. We talked about the direction that they're going with this this insanity that that this desire to want to quantify and, and, and identify, categorize, and, and put in a spreadsheet, nature. And, and, and these are the, the worst people to be in charge of that sort of idea. You know, like, like she said, they're not there to 
they're not trying to save the world. They're trying to profit from. They're trying to figure out how to how to how to make a dollar on how to make a quadrillion dollar, a couple quadrillion dollars. You're talking about a huge opportunity here, and um, and and then you know then you you read about what the World Economic Forum has planned for humanity, and it lines up with a lot of this stuff. And it, so I'm 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 all just. I'm keeping my eyes open and watching what the Davos crowd is doing because, you know, according to them, they want a very different future for us. And it doesn't make you a conspiracy theorist to point this out. It's on their website. They, they, they're bragging about this. It's, a, it's an advertising campaign. So, so, like, be very careful about the sales pitch of this fourth industrial revolution, this build back better uh, crowd because they're taking us down a pretty dark path. Also, Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. <clears throat> now, uh, we're, we're proposing an alternative, which was, uh, you know, I studied different economic systems. And the reason I originally came to Japan was because they had this system that resulted in decades of double-digit growth. They had the lowest gap between the rich and the poor in any developed country. And you go to downtown Tokyo and you see, um, you know, fishes in the stream, wildlife in the parks. And so uh, this system is kind of a hybrid between capitalism and uh, central planning, where you have these very, very intelligent bureaucrats uh, who meet with politicians and industrialists, and they come up with a plan for what are we going to, you know, where do we want to be five years from now. Anyway, it's a very good system. The Chinese copied it, and that's why they keep outgrowing us. And uh, the Singapore copied it, which, which made them, you know, uh, turn from one of the poorest places on earth to, one, uh, to the third richest. Um, and but in Japan, I watched as this cabal murdered politicians and bureaucrats and dismantled the system, where so that Japan now has the biggest gap between the rich and the poor <coughs> anywhere except the United States in the developed world, and uh, they've had economic stagnation. So. But, but the system they used to have uh, was very good, and I keep promoting it. We want a system like that for the West, where it's the, the people in government are working for the average person, not for uh, an elite of uh, unelected oligarchs. Well, Describe concerns. the central planning component <coughs> of that. Like, what, is, um, what, is, what does that look like? How, it's not, how centralized it, is it? Does it get authoritarian or... What? When they had it in Japan, <clears throat> it was about 30 people would get together. And these would include politicians who, who would get feedback from their constituents. It would include industrialists and it would include bureaucrats. And they'd come up with a, a five-year plan based on, you know, so, for example, they say, all right, uh, we're going to make sure every house in Japan has access to sewers and uh, we're going to make sure that everybody can buy a car over the next five years. And then they would come up with this plan, and then what would happen was the, the Bank of Japan <coughs> would send people out all over the country to find out, they'd go to companies, small I enterprises, and find out what their plans were. And they would make sure that they print just enough money for what's in the real world, and so they don't get inflation. And then the, the money would be, us. Uh, they said, okay, we can make this much money without causing inflation. It would be distributed to a series of banks who would then go to the companies that they supervise and say, okay, here's, you know, in the next five years, we're going to build a lot of roads, so maybe you can build a lot of cars. And then the actual work was put out uh, through competitive bidding to the private sector. So the planning was done 
by bureaucrats, politicians, and industrialists, and this was made public, and then everybody could see the plan, and then the actual private sector would carry it out, and it was a very successful system, uh, and that's the Chinese still use it, which is why if we don't uh, create a better system on theirs, they're going to keep outgrowing us until, uh, like it or not, we're all going to be uh, Chinese servants. What, what concerns me about this whole categorizing every pineapple in a in the jungle this this obsession with gaining of function the knowledge of nature's production is that um, there isn't there something in science called like the observer effect so when you observe a scientific process or chemistry and you mix chemicals the observer changes it and I wonder if there's these 5g cameras every 30 feet in a jungle to see how many uh, baboons are shitting in the woods, uh, to to see how much fertilizer is being <clears throat> produced, like that would ruin. That would you would interfere with nature's processes. Now the hummingbirds can't find their nectar anymore because Klaus Schwab is out there with a satellite dish. You know, so I just think like these people. Yeah. Sure, <laughs> but we can do, uh, for example, build entire new ecosystems. Um, so the Sahara is. Bigger than China and U.S. combined, I think. You know, the the, the Mercator production makes it look a lot smaller than it really is in the map. Uh, and there's a technology to turn that green. We could have entire new uh, ecosystems built from scratch there and middle-class housing for billions of people uh, without touching existing nature concentrations like the Amazon. We just leave, let nature do its work there. You know, that's the sort of thing we're talking about. Mm. Um, all right, <coughs> let, me, let me play this next clip about natural assets. Um, what natural asset corporations are is that they seek to um, identify and, uh, a natural asset, an ecosystem service, um, and allow investors to uh, invest in something of intrinsic value that has not been previously monetized before. Oh, this <coughs> river produces fresh water. What if I put a meter on this? Yeah, I'm not in, in agreement with these ideas at all, uh, and, and uh, that's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah, I understand they're trying to pitch to these uh, oligarchs who, who are saying, well, what's in it for me? How do I make profit? You know, And, and that's why they phrase it in those ways. But <coughs> uh, the group I'm with has nothing to do with those people. We're just trying to convince them to go along with uh, our program. Um, and that's going to be meritocracy combined with democracy real-time live democracy, complete freedom of information, uh, while keeping existing nation-states more or less as they are, but creating something that's in charge of stuff that we all share, like the atmosphere, the oceans, um, and nature. That's virgin nature needs to be preserved and expanded. Um, there's one more clip here. I, I like looking at what the World Economic Forum is up to because that's very helpful to me to know what the bad guy looks like. All of this stuff, license access to things um, in nature that were previously considered to be the global commons, the property of all, um, and, and things like that. Um, and basically what they want to do is uh, take control of that, they quantify it, um, they um, give it a, <laughs> they create a company to manage it, it's so insane. You just need an LLC. This river doesn't have an LLC, this glacier doesn't have an LLC. They only think in one way. And that's why it's like they're emotionally retarded people. I mean, I'm sorry, that's just what they are. <laughs> 
Well, you know, the thing is, for example, some of the most ardent people who want to preserve nature are hunters and fishermen. They're saying, hey, you know, we want to be able to go to that river and catch fish, and if, if there's no fish, I can't go fishing. Uh, so let's make it so that uh, there's always lots of fish in the river and there's lots of, uh, lots of gazelles to shoot. <clears throat> so, you know, it, it's an unfortunate fact that a lot of people do say, well, what's in it for me? But I think that having virgin nature accessible to tourists is a viable thing that can be done um, in most circumstances. You know, it's just, we don't want this group in charge anymore. And that's, that, I think we're all agreed on that. We don't want these unelected Rothschild, Rockefeller oligarchs to keep running the show. And that's what they're trying to do. They're saying, hey, we're going to be nice now. We're going to be echo now. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to, you know, China turn over a new page. So first, we're going to convince you by, you know, scaring the hell out of you with a pandemic, but then, but then we're going to be good. And they're saying, no, we don't want you at all. Thank you. <laughs> sounds, sounds like an ex-girlfriend of mine. Um, the, uh, so Ben Fulford reported November 22nd, 2021. The agnostic Illuminati is now reemerged in East Asia. They have declared war against the unif Unification Church, the East Asian drug and weapons dealing uh, allies of the British Nazi faction, Illuminati sources say. They, they will use one of the 500 megaton nuclear bombs they took from the Russian submarine Kirks in 2000. The specific target is the Kansai Plain of Japan. This area includes cities of Osaka, Kyoto, Kobe. The sources say they will be destroyed on December 21st. I'm looking at my calendar now. That's two weeks. Unless the following demands are met. One, the Japanese government used state and corporate media networks to inform the people of the truth about what happened in Fukushima on March 11, 2011. Arrest all the Japanese politicians, gangsters, etc., who are complicit in the attack. Inform the Japanese public that the pandemic is fake and apologize for coercing people to wear masks, take vaccines, and sucker, suffer economic hardship as a result. Arrest all the people involved in promoting the fake pandemic and vaccines in Japan. Stop financial support for the criminal fake Biden administration. So they're saying we will impose nuclear blackmail for you guys to do the, these right things. But when you use a bully tactic to push a bully into doing into disclosing their agenda, like how much of politics is nuclear blackmail? Well, it's all at a high level. It's nuclear blackmail. <clears throat> By the way, apparently it's 500 kiloton, they told me, not 500 megaton. That's a little correction, but it's still enough to destroy Kobe, Kyoto, and Osaka. But the idea is you evacuate everybody out of there first. And, and the reason why is because the elite in the Kansai district had agreed to a plan to evacuate 40 million people from Tokyo uh, to North Korea and as a part of this Rothschild plan, and they had agreed to move a new capital to Kyoto. So they were complicit in this mass murder attack that killed 20,000 people. So, and unfortunately, bullies only understand, uh, you know, that kind of language. You can't just ask these people politely. Uh, uh, it's just not going to work. So, but <clears throat> the idea is that make sure that nobody is killed and just, you know, evacuate everybody. <clears throat> or better still, they go ahead and they tell the truth that uh, Fukushima was a terrorist attack and that the pandemic is fake. That's the real option. Yeah, I just don't But, like you know, I mean, all these countries, at the end of the day, they use this nuclear saber and they rattle it. 
Uh, this is true of the UK, this is true of the United States, they, they all do it. <laughs> hey, we're bankrupt from our endless wars. We will kill you if you don't give us money for our endless wars. Well, you know, it's what I've explained to the uh, Asian secret societies about the Pentagon and the military is that it's cheaper to feed a guard dog than it is to fight a hungry, hungry wolf. It's an interesting analogy. Um, one thing that's com <clears throat> coming up in this pandemic scenario is people are going back and going into virus theory. Are viruses real or is it environmental things that make people sick? Um, Alison McDowell is doing a lot of research on this. She spoke on the higher side and she was talking about virus theory. That makes sense. So yes. my goal is not a call for unity just of unity, but to say if we understand this as a frequency weapon that is being enacted on the earth broadly and on all natural living things on the earth, then that's a different strategy and the tax we take in addressing it differ than if we're going to sort of focus on a bioweapon or gain of function or... So is the gain of function bioweapon distraction from 5G? Yes. Uh, look, <clears throat> the, 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 it's called the coronavirus because when you look at it in a microscope, it looks like a crown, which is, is Spanish for crown is corona. Um, and they have never seen this so-called COVID-19 with a microscope. They don't have a sample, they, but they do have samples of actual cold viruses or, you know, the influenza. Um, they, they can, in other words, they cannot prove it exists. However, if you look at the initial outbreak, it coincided 100% with the uh, installation of 5G um, transmission towers, which are planted every 100 yards. And those transmission towers were removed after it was, it was pointed out that they were killing people. Um, <clears throat> now, the clear example is Wuhan, okay, where it supposedly uh, broke out. They installed 10,000 5G transmission towers. They linked it up with a satellite. And as soon as they fired it up, uh, people started dropping like flies. It was a major disaster. Uh, and, uh, apparently, according to the CIA, they sent some... Um, High people in to check it out, more than a million people died. But if it had been uh, a virus, so for example, say there's a virus in Manhattan, well then what's going to happen is people working in Manhattan, they go home to New Jersey or um, <clears throat> the Brook, uh, you know, Brooklyn or whatever, and, they, and uh, they spread it there. But there was nothing in the suburbs of Wuhan. It was only where they had the tra transmission tower. So this was an electromagnetic attack. Uh, the electromagnetic attack was stopped in most places. So they then went to a plan B where they labeled previously existing uh, lung diseases like pneumonia, uh, influenza, they called it this new thing, or the common cold, and they used that <coughs> as an excuse for the vaccines because their 5G had been thwarted, although they're still trying to push it. Uh, but, you know, this is, a, this is where, you know, fact-checking in the real world uh, reveals the truth, and, and, and that's what people need to do at the end of the day. They need to go to themselves and see with their own eyes. Mm. Um, this is another clip to do with this issue, and we'll come back and ask Charlie about this. Had negative health impacts, you know, either as a result of injections or also like even whatever has presented as COVID, right? Like we don't know what kind of targeting has been happening in advance. These long haulers are the long haulers, people who are already subjected to different kinds of nanotechnology implementations. So I got the COVID vaccine, but then I got COVID. Charlie. What a surprise. <laughs> Almost I'm, like it was meant to happen that way. 
Yeah, the, the, look, I mean, the thing is that there's, there's a lot of people that are just starting to pile into the vaccine debate. But we've been talking about this stuff for years, right? Pre-COVID, like just the MMR shots and the, all the fuckery around uh, the vaccine industry and, and big pharma. So we knew about that well in advance. So when the, when, when the Rona shows up on the scene and they immediately start talking about vaccines, we know where this is going. But we have to remember that like there's a whole segment of normies that are just starting to get the idea that maybe there's something going on with the vaccines. It doesn't seem like they're being upfront with us about it. And then, you know, and so they slowly start to figure out that it's like they, they're indemnified. I mean, nobody can sue them for this. They've got a free marketing campaign from the, from the media. They've got a free R&D campaign from the government. They've got everything handed to them. You can't sue them. They won't tell you what's in the product for 50-something years. Now that today, I guess they said they're going to make it 75 years. Like, alarm bells should be going off in your head, right? But that's sort of where we are, is that some people are just kind of slow to figure this out. And, um, and, and the media has, you know, done their, done their normal thing, drive the getaway car on this, you know, and be fully complicit, coke co-conspirators in a massive fraud and um, it seems to me like they're just trying to cram more of the agenda in faster and faster because I think the wheels are coming off I think it's it's getting harder and harder to keep this charade going people are starting to figure it out even the dummies are starting to figure it out so you gotta you, you gotta you gotta it's now or never what a tangled web we weave when we first set out to deceive. The <clears throat> lies are uh, coming out with contradictions. They're saying, well, how come all, only vaccinated people are getting sick? And how come unvaccinated people aren't getting sick? Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's falling apart. I, they, I noticed that the, uh, there was a photograph from Davos showing that this Omicron was supposed to come out in the summer of next year. And yet they pulled it out already. It's a sign that they're running out of ammo. Uh, and... They have failed in their objective to vaccinate the entire human race, um, you know, and especially this is true of Africa, but also um, the, the Chinese and the Russians weren't given this RNA vaccine. They were given a normal influenza vaccine. So what's happening is it's almost like a, a murder-suicide. The G7 slave population, they say, well, if we can't stay, you know, keep these people as our slaves, we're going to kill them or we're going to take them with us, that type of thing. Uh, however... I know that they have been trying to kill us. They've been trying to kill 90% of us ever since Bush Jr. got in power, and they've failed. They, they, bird flu, SARS, Ebola, MERS, they just didn't kill lots of people. And, and I remember when I was invited to join these people, they said that they were going to use disease and starvation to reduce the population because war didn't do the job, and they failed. And then the, the Fukushima thing, uh, they said, oh, the, the Pacific Ocean's dead, there's no fish, uh, it's the worst radiation incident since Chernobyl. Well, I went out and I bought a, a Geiger counter. I went to, and, and I couldn't find any radiation anywhere, and not a single person died of it. So <clears throat> what I'm saying is that the, this vaccine thing is not going to kill people as they intend either. I don't know why, but I think there's some kind of either divine power or collective human 
uh, immunity that's just preventing them from succeeding because they don't control reality <clears throat> and they, they that's that's what's going to undo them they don't control the real world you know i used to work in post-production in the movie industry and some dvds are ntsc for the u.s and canada and some are pal for europe and in this way the movie industry tried to control what film got to what market on their schedule um and this is interesting because when you start talking about rfid chips they're even trying to decide what slave goes to what country this is Alison mcdowell on higher side and nationalism is that for this predator energy this is a global system and the idea of national borders that we're going to somehow like those don't exist in the metaverse <laughs> This idea of geofencing is going to be much more important so that they can make borders and restrict your mobility at will in real time. And increasingly, that's going to be automated and linked to your biosensors. So if you have these internal biosensors that are nanoelectronics that you can't just remove, it could send a signal saying, oh, okay, so you're confined to X amount of distance right your mobility is either just to stay inside or you have to stay in your neighborhood or your city what have you yes geofencing it's like black mirror <laughs> it's terrifying so they're going to own the rivers and then geofence your access to them because this is for, this is of the oligarchs um klaus schwab jr talked about the global health passport i, I used to be a german exchange student i met the son of Klaus Schwab, uh, his name's Klaus Schwab Jr. To be honest, it's more of an abusive relationship, but he did speak of the digital health passport on his Instagram, so this is Klaus Schwab Jr. Hello, Instagrams. It is your favorite oligarch, Klaus Schwab Juniors. I want to remind everybody to get the digital health passport from the big tech. Because, you know, the empire used to make book burnings when there was information that was not convenient for us. But now, we just shadow ban users on popular big tech networkings without a warrant or a reason or probable causings. And in this way, now with the digital health passport, you can only go where the oligarchy wants you to go. Just like a little puppy in an electric fence. Thank you for your participation in your own slavery. <coughs> oh, that was a power boner. I need a new spacesuit. Oh, that guy's disgusting. But just like a little puppy in an electric fence. Well, look, one thing you got to realize. The fact that we're able to carry out a show like this uh, means that the NSA is letting us do it. And that means that the military is fighting against the, the groups, the oligarchs, the Warren the corporations. Uh, the proof is that the <clears throat> internet is still functioning as a, a route for the truth to get out to more and more people. And that's why I think they're going to fail. And the other thing is that uh, they don't control Africa, they don't control Asia. They really are. They're, they're, they're circling the wagons around a, a smaller and smaller uh, control group. They're not going to succeed, I guarantee you. Now, we're running out of time here, so any uh, any last things you want to uh, uh, run by? Uh, well... Yeah, let me let me just uh, talk about Claire Schwab Sr., the next clip here, talking about gene editing. The significance of this first uh, industrial revolution is it doesn't change what you are doing. It changes you if you take a genetic editing. 
just as an example, it's you who are changed, yeah. and of yeah. course this has a big impact on yeah. your identity. Yeah. And offers certain kinds of possibilities that have to be careful about. You know, when you began to when you began to do that kind of gene editing, some people worried that you were changing what it means to be human. That's the problem. And, yeah. uh, it, uh, of course, the new uh, industrial revolution offers us many opportunities, but it raises many fold questions on the ethical, but even legal uh, implications. And we have to be prepared for it, and that's what we want to do in Davos next year. Talk about technology and how the ways it can be deployed, uh, you know, that contribute to growth rather than exacerbate unemployment. How will that implement itself? It's a big question mark because uh, there is a fear that uh, technology, robots, uh, just to take yeah. one yeah. You get activity from machines. Exactly. And it replaces maybe um, the workforce or jobs faster than we can replace them with the new jobs. Uh, not everybody can be a robot polisher and so yes. on. So yes. there will be new jobs. Daddy, why did I say that? Um, not everybody can be a robot polisher. That is his idea of a perfect society. Well, not everybody can be the robot polisher, but we will change your DNA. It's like, does this guy, when he's speaking, does he think that these are good ideas? Well, you know, okay, let's talk about gene editing. I have this uh, lady friend, a former girlfriend who married a very rich guy, and they're in Beverly Hills, and apparently... The doctor was offering a service where they could choose the eye color of their babies and, and uh, other things, you know. Uh, and But it was banned. They weren't allowed to do it. But the technology exists. And we do need a public debate. Uh, do we want to be able to edit our genes to become like superheroes? Uh, and we want to make sure that's available for everybody. It's something that needs to be publicly discussed for sure because we do have this ability. Personally, I'd like to, for example, uh, to get younger again so I could have the, the sort of stamina I had when I was 20. Uh, but we need to discuss this very carefully and openly. It, is, it's not, it cannot be used. What they're trying to do now is they're trying to inject the majority into something that will permanently enslave them. They'll, be, they'll never be able to rebel again forever. And they themselves will then enhance themselves and become ubermensch, as I mentioned earlier. That's what we're trying to prevent. We don't want them to become our permanent God King rulers because they're very evil people. And one last thing I'd like to say before I sign off is that just as my report was going live on um, Monday, uh, December 6th, I got from the CIA, they sent me uh, pictures of two tweets, one from Christine Lagarde and one from Klaus Schwab. Apparently they're going to Antarctica for some kind of meeting. Now uh, that's very big because you know, they had a meeting in Antarctica on December uh, or November 8th, 2016. And at that meeting, they decided that they were going to uh, put Trump in instead of uh, Hillary Clinton, as was originally planned. So they go there because it's outside of the control of any government. And it's some kind of very super shadowy, super elite group that's going there because something big has happened. Something really earth-shattering, I'm sure, is going to happen. And I do have a source who will be at that Antarctic meeting, and I'll try to keep my readers posted as soon as I get information. It hasn't happened yet, but 
uh, something is breaking, something is happening. Well, yeah, I'm sure Klaus Jr. will be there too. Uh, if you want to, uh, thanks, Ben. I hope Charlie yeah. will stay on with me. I have okay. more clips. And, and Charlie, it was nice to meet you. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't give you, uh, you, you didn't get a chance to talk more. <laughs> I'd be happy to do a one on one with you uh, in the future. Absolutely. Anyway, thanks for having me on. Thanks, Ben. Bye, Ben. Bye. So there he goes, Ben Fulford, BenFulford.net. Um, so this next uh, clip here, we still see. <laughs> there he goes. Um, this next clip here is super terrifying to me. Um, again, I'm going back to Alison McDowell on Higher Side Chats, talking about these nanobots. Research with Charles Lieber at Harvard, who was, you know, surfaced early on in this for his involvement in China, but it's really Harvard <laughs> you know, that's doing this. And they're doing non-surgical nano neural implants, neural interlaces with these nanotechnologies. So I think Neuralink is meant to distract you and make you shocked, but make you think that you're going to be out of it. If you understand it as a nanotech, nanoelectronic self-assembly, because that's what they're working on at Rice with the Teslapheresis is self-assembling nanocarbon nanotubes of graphene. Like there's no way that you can necessarily always know <laughs> if you've been exposed to these systems or not. And like, what is, talk about environmental versus virus. I mean, what is mental illness? Like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, my aunt has mental illness. Maybe she has nanobots in her genetically modified body. Like, Maybe she the? has too much graphene, graphene oxide in her body or something. I don't know, man. It, it's, this is, you remember Morgellons disease? Yeah. Remember that? And they thought that that was being sprayed. And it was getting in people from oh. chemtrails and stuff like that. Like, we don't know what the fuck they're spraying on us. I mean, and we that, don't know what's in our food. We don't know what's in, 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 in the things that we... I mean, we really don't, unless we're growing it ourselves. You just, you know you're ingesting some of this stuff. If you know, if you even know that it exists, right? I mean, not everybody knows that, like, nanotechnology is a thing. But... You you just have to, I mean, I don't know, minimize it, be as smart as you can, drink, like, purified water, and don't uh, eat a bunch of GMO stuff, and, like, hope for the best. I mean, I don't know, I don't know if you can prevent it. If they, if they get 5G all laid out everywhere and turn the switch on, I mean, it's going to cook us all like bacon, right? <laughs> I know, it's like they, they're so um, obsessed with, uh, yes, very much so, very, very obsessed with you know, gaining of function the narrative of the populace, because they have so many crimes, and they're so scared of lawsuits, but they own all the judges, and then they just play with society like a cat with a yarn ball, but, but their, their obsession with uh, changing our minds to go with their narrative, they would shoot graphene into somebody so that these little robots connect in their head <laughs> like i well, don't know well, what they the thing that that allison mcdowell said that really kind of freaked me out was talk was she was talking about the legal part right she said that there's a legal part to this and 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 what i take from that is that talking about genetically modifying people gene editing people and making them something that's not human anymore what is the what is the legal component of ownership then can you then own those people because they're not technically natural people anymore they're now something else 
And when they become something else, can they be quantified and bought and securitized like all that other stuff that they're talking about doing with peach trees and corn cobs and plants and all that stuff, you know what I mean? So are they, are they looking at genetically modifying you and making that one tweak to your tomato so that you're now a GMO tomato and now technically they own you, they can patent you, they can do whatever they want to, to you. That's the part of her conversation that caught my attention. And I don't know if she meant that when she was talking about legal. Maybe she's talking about like legal repercussions of it or something. But to me, I'm thinking legal in terms of who's the legal owner mm. of you after you become something other than human. Something tells me that they would like to own you, uh, if and that way it's legal for them to do whatever they want to you. Because if I want to buy a robot and throw my robot in front of a train, I can throw my robot in front of a train. Right. Uh, or turn the brakes off from his OnStar, and now his car is just a missile. Right. Well, I own this peasant, and so now he is dead. Click. <laughs> Click. Goodbye for now. <laughs> I mean, why not? You own it, right? I, I bought it. You buy it, you break it. Uh. You break it, you buy it, whatever. It's just, it's just, look, it's obviously an unnatural thought. You know, it's a, it's, but it's a psychopathic concept, but that's what they're into. This, well, is, this is what they think about. These are the things that they, these are the schemes that they concoct where they can own people. Like, it, they're crazy people. They're nuts. Yeah. And so it's very interesting to me to think, like, let's say, you know, you're going to sue, you're going in court, you're going to face Ghislaine Maxwell. Well, they put nanobots in your brain already. And so what if you just, you're going to be a witness on a witness stand, but the night before you axe murder your whole family because that's what the nanobots in your brain told you to do from your own, you know, Wi-Fi in your house deceived you put voices in your head and then you act oh he's the bad guy you know he was going to be a witness but he's actually a bad guy he's an axe murderer so unfortunately he can't take the witness stand they did that with abu zabeda i think was it it was either him or the other guy where they made um they made a hologram appear in his prison cell of allah who told him that he needed to tell the interrogators everything that, that he didn't need to make it hard on them and this apparently they, they use that voice-to-skull technology, and they use that, that uh, hologram technology, and they made him, they freaked him out. And the next day, apparently, he sang. He just told them everything that they wanted to know. How devious. I mean, they, may, they can make you crazy. There's a great book that I have called uh, Project Camellio, and it's about a guy getting gang-stalked. And having like his mind like totally fucked with, and and it's uh, and it was like a military industrial complex company that was doing that, and it's a it's a true story. So, so they're 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 doing that stuff, man. The nanobot things, yeah, it sounds totally bonkers, right? When you start talking nanobots, there's a certain percentage of the audience that's going to go, okay, you're crazy, but like this is a thing, apparently. Well, my sister worked in Silicon Valley, and she goes, well, they wouldn't just give that to you for free. People spend a lot of money for a, a, a robot brain. And I was like, what? And she was like, it's open, secret in Silicon Valley, but it's expensive. That was her only argument with the nanobots. It's expensive. 
But if they mass produce it, I mean, they just print money whatever they want. So nothing's expensive if they have the will to control all their sheep. They would invest in that, in the slavery system, um, like a nanobot. I don't know. That's my opinion. But there used to be an old school form of mind control, an old form of mind control that uh, Mr. Goebbels, uh, Joseph Goebbels of the Nazis was uh, involved with. And uh, Klaus Schwab Jr. once downloaded uh, Mr. Goebbels' uh, I don't like this guy, but this is what he said. Hello, Instagram. It is your favorite oligarch, Klaus Schwab Jr. I remember when I was seven years old, I was making a bloodbath with Herr Goebbels. It was okay. It was local blood in Argentina. Paperboys was his favorite. There was even in the blood battle a little bicycle cling out, cling out, cling out. But uh, he was telling me about making propagandas, making the big lie. And when your sheep don't like your big lie, you tell them again. And then if they don't like it, you tell them again and again until your sheep repeat the big lie and love your lies, love your propagandas. But now we have much better tools if you do not like our big lies and we will put them in nanobots if you don't like our big lies. We will change your DNA to like our big lies. We will put the lies in your food, in your ass. Uh, your Jesus. He's very angry. Well, he, he tells you the whole master plan, but, uh, I don't, you know, he's very, he, gets, he gets power boners. He gets high on his own supply of power, Claire Schwab Jr. That's what I learned about him. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, that's, that's what they have for us. <laughs> Catherine Austin Fitz is one of these insiders. She used to work for government and, uh, I've been following her, listening to her interview. She said something interesting here. Many of the health restrictions are all about engineering that central, that central control. This is the source of inequality. This is where inequality is coming from. The laws control in a way that's very dis destructive of the independent producers. So this is a, a, it's a huge concentration of power and wealth. And what I tell everybody is, be not afraid. There is no reason not to fight to the death here, because if you look at where they're going, death is not the worst thing that can happen. Is that why you got activated? You know, you were an author, and you, you didn't necessarily want to do a podcast. What activated you to fight to the death, Charlie? I mean, you just can't, you can't stand for this sort of stuff. You just can't. And I'm, look, I don't have it all figured out. You know, I don't, I, I don't know how this is all going to turn out. But I feel like if I, if I can see what's going on, and I can see it because for whatever reason, I have a different way of looking at things, I have a different perspective. What for whatever reason I can I can see this what's what's going on pretty well. And I can, I feel like I have a, the ability to relay that information. I've written three books and and then the podcast sort of was an option for me. And uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to do it. I decided I, should, I I I wanted to as an extension of the of what I was writing. I was going to do it in an audio format. And it kind of felt like an obligation to do it too. Like I, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it feel like it, like it, it's work necessarily. But I felt like a sort of a moral obligation. Like if I can see what's going on out there, 
and I don't talk and I don't ring the alarm bells and just say, hey, man, this is what I see coming and it's really bad. And this is the reason why I see it coming. Like if I'm not out there doing that, then then kind of shame on me. Right. You're part of the plan. You have that picture on your website, OctopusTheGlobalControl.com, where all those Nazis in a row are all given the zig aisle. But there's one guy who's not. And I wonder what would happen if he took the podium that day. What if he took the podium after Hitler? Could he have pushed that crowd into a more positive direction? (laughs) What are we doing? There's a lot of there's a lot of mind control. You know, there's a lot of like wisdom of the crowd, you know, like people just believing like, well, we're all we've all decided that we're all taking the vaccine. Right. Right. Just society's decided that we're taking the vaccine. So that's where we're doing it. We're all we're out here going, no, 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 no. We haven't made that decision yet. You don't speak for us. And what are you doing? Wake up. And, like, Colbert, he's not even funny anymore. He's just like, well, if you don't take the jab, you're done. Like, they're out of jokes. SNL is embarrassing. You know, there's that one basketball player who is quoting all these doctors and saying why he's not taking the jab. They had SNL. Someone snuck up behind him on the fake Ellen show and stabbed him in the neck. And it's like, are you guys, like, he's a black man is saying no because this is my freedom of speech. This is my body. And SNL, they s- sneak up behind him and stab him in the neck. That's comedy? That, it's, that's it's, Jonestown. It's dumb. See, the problem is, it's Saturday Night Live. I mean, look, I'm not a comedian, all right? I've, I, I try to make my books as, as humorous as possible, but I don't consider myself to be a comedian. Um, the, the part about Saturday Night Live that makes it funny is when they're challenging the established power structure. When you're cheerleading authoritarians at Saturday Night Live, it's just not funny. It's just not. It doesn't it's, matter. It, they're, they're not even missing that, yeah. that comedic uh, ingredient of of the of the fight against the power and the friction that comes with that. When you're in a, in alignment with the power. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work from a comedy standpoint. Yeah. So that's why they look so stupid, and and, and their 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 ideology is is based on this woke weirdness that isn't anchored in reality. You know, it's just this. It's this real weird cult-like obsessive uh, ideology that that they vastly overestimate people's interest in. I think a lot of people are completely turned off by the woke stuff. They think it's dumb. And Saturday Night Live is trying to sell it. And they're trying to use it to shame people into getting on board with vaccination programs that haven't cleared long-term trials. It's a really dumb idea for them to anchor themselves to this. But I get the feeling that they don't have a choice. That this is a network-wide decision. To be in lockstep that, with Klaus Schwab and uh, right. just be his mouthpiece. Well, just make, right. make my agenda funny. Go make it funny for me now. And it's like, well, you're, it's, all your ideas it, suck, and you're a it's dumbass. It's funny funny when Klaus Schwab is dressed in his, in his like galactic emperor outfit. You know, and he's walking around and he's talking about world domination and everything. That's funny because it's so on the nose. You know, it's like it's it's a bit much. 
you know, uh, it, like it kind of looks like it's it, uh, like they're filming like behind like a documentary, like a behind the scenes making of like a Star Wars movie or something, you know, and. Um, so, so we we couldn't be funny as funny as the World Economic Forum. Not Pretty everybody, fair. not everyone can be a robot polisher. <laughs> you couldn't. I mean, if you wrote that for a comedy routine, you'd be so proud of yourself. But he's you? like saying it, but he's serious. He's like, we're you, not, you but, know. But that that's the yeah. like, That's the beauty of comedy, is that he's serious, but what he's saying is insanity. Right. It's just, it's total, like, psychosis. It's, this is, he's a crazy person talking. Yeah. And he goes, but he's doing it in a serious way. <laughs> like, he's in front of a, like, a board of directors. And that, to me, just makes it, like, exponentially funnier. He also said, oh, well, when you change the slave's DNA, that we have, there's moral, but also legal implications. So, the moral, he's like, moral, whatever. But really, I got to call the lawyers about this. Right. That's what he's saying. He says this. Of course. You need to call the lawyers. Yeah, get the lawyers involved. Well, the sure. moral, but really the legal, because that will cost me monies. <laughs> well, listen, it's all a business decision for these guys. But I think if they're quantifying blades of grass, they're not putting a price tag on your head and my head. He's like, you know, what are yeah. these guys worth? What, what are these peasants worth? And they probably trade us in some weird black market, uh, like uh, behind-the-scenes black market stock market where they're just well, like trading human beings like cattle. They already do. Your Social Security card on the front has your Social Security number, and on the back is a red number for Fidelity Investments. They already do that. I think the, the RFID chip is just the upgrade to the fucking Social Security, the paper Social Security card. That's my opinion. Um, they own us. They, now they just, just upgrade of their level of ownership and they put it in a different LLC. When one, when one plumps and dumps, you kill those people, get a new one, tag your slaves. It's pretty easy. Um, uh, ben Fulford was on MLK's show, and he said this about Julian Assange, and I thought this was interesting because you met the Assange family. On a mission for real, uh, what your take is on what is going on with Julian Assange and how is this happening? Uh, my understanding is Julian Assange was killed. Um, remember he was uh, hiding at the Ecuadorian embassy in England, London, and he used to appear every day in his balcony. And then, uh, I forget, some uh, movie star visited him. And oh yeah, Pamela him. Anderson. Yeah, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> and, and then he apparently was poisoned. Uh, and I had people, uh, friends in England, I you know, to ask them to try to go to the actual court cases to see and there's no as far as i can tell he's never shown up uh he doesn't exist anymore so it's now julian Assange is now some kind of agency uh psyops and any appearance you'll have will be computer graphics or maybe you'll find a look-alike but unfortunately the real man is no longer with us i'm pretty sure yeah I'm so you met his dad and brother did they indicate this how long had it been since they've seen him in in the flesh or been on the phone with him um, I saw them, I met them in July, and, um, I think he said he had, the last time he saw him was September, so that would have been September 2020. Um. Yeah. 
So no, it, that's what that's what that's what he's in. And uh, if he's in a I'm castle sure. in an embassy, who knows when they take him out? And then they're like, "Look, this is getting too dangerous. This is bad press for us. You know, let's just take over his social media and we'll we'll announce his death to the peasants when uh, we feel like it to coincide with uh, some kind of fashion fashion gala or something like this. I don't know." Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's like I don't, a, I don't know. His parents were acting as if he was. I mean, his his dad and his half brother were acting as if he was still alive. But uh, you can't. But you know, they've got him under twenty three and a half hours a day uh, lockdown. Mm. So. And they're psycho- they were psychologically torturing him by telling him that he was HIV positive. And then they let him, like, stew on that for several weeks and then let him know, that oh, that was a mistake in the testing. <laughs> so it's like... Pam Anderson. The only thing I learned about that clip is Pam Anderson. She still got it. She still can be activated as an MKUltra, you know... Apparently, yeah. They femme just, fatale. Just throw the switch on... <laughs> And uh, you get you get Pam Anderson, <laughs> robot Pam. What pair of tits do I have on the Rolodex who's still in the MK? Oh, Pam Anderson. Oh yeah, let's use her tits for the killing of Assange now. Maybe not. <laughs> so yeah, she looks good for her urgings. Um, so all right. Well, I don't want to talk about this part. Well, the only thing I will say there's I was gonna read another newsletter from Ben, but because he's not with us. What I do want to say is just like, when do you get a sense of the white hats? Like we were talking about this idea earlier. Are, are there frustrated people in the agencies and the uh, CIA who want to overthrow this cabal, but at the same time, they always wait for their checks to clear. So at a certain time, they all have to unify and murder them overnight without maybe you don't get a paycheck for a week okay military industrial complex but do the right thing once ever you know and this whole wheels of justice moving so slow in the southern district of new york the same place that's running interference on 9-11 for the architects and engineers of 9-11 truth they're putting jolaine maxwell on the stand and they're going to run this news story they're going to run this trial for three years well you know what i mean um to stall the architects and engineers for getting their chance at that building, at that courtroom. Um, this is what I see. What do you, what do you think? Well, I, I have, I'm not, I'm not holding out much hope that Ghislaine Maxwell is going to be found guilty of anything. I'd love to think so. Yeah. Right. But, but, but you've got that, uh, that judge in the case that it loves Alan Dershowitz, uh, and you've got, uh, Comey's daughter prosecuting, and he's just deep state to his core, and uh, the whole thing just stinks uh, right now. I mean, it's like I don't know where we are in the trial, but uh, um, I mean I don't know how much how much more is is coming since it's ongoing. But as of the recording of this, but um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think that anything good is going to happen for us. I'd be shocked if 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 she was found guilty of anything. Well, it's uh, like just she just has... That's, everything's so rigged these days, you know? Everything is just so, so yeah. fake and so rigged. I'm not saying 
I'm not saying I don't think she'll be found not guilty because she wasn't guilty. Let me be crystal clear about that. She's a co-conspirator in this whole thing. She's not some, she's not some chick that just got roped into this. She's running this on with him. You know, she comes from a family that, but and she's guilty as hell. But that what I'm saying is that it doesn't matter anymore well they might also just it doesn't work that way anymore say you're guilty 10 years and then she just gets shuffled out the back door and goes to a private island i mean she's a controller i I wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't doubt that either and that's not it that's not something that i i throw out there lightly that's not something i i i say you know i think most criminals or rich criminals necessarily have access to but i think she's a special occasion you know what I mean? Like she's 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 in a position to to know some valuable things. So because of who she is and who she knows and who and what she knows, um, I could I could in because of that because of who she is I could foresee her being found guilty, but then like you said marched out the back door. But I think I, I think that uh, it's more likely that just she's just found not guilty. Yeah. And they just say, what are you, what are you going to do about it? How is this judge even, who's best friends with Alan Dershowitz, who was... I, 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 who was because the fix is in. Epstein's that's lawyer. Saying. That's a cl- just a conflict of interest immediately. I, oh, of course. And she's, and she's like hardcore Talmudic and everything, and they've got that together. And it, this, don't underestimate that. Okay, let's be let's operate in reality where that shit matters. Just like it matters if the judges and the lawyers are all Freemasons and they all know each I mean, that matters. Yeah. Something to consider. You yeah. know. So so the fact that she's a huge fan of Dershowitz, there's a club. Some people are in it. Some people are in another club. But if you're in that club with that other person, you look out for each other. And that's yeah. how that shit gets done. And that's why I don't think Glenn Maxwell, who is most definitely in the club, and Alan Dershowitz, who is most definitely in the club, are going to have problems if they've got a judge who loves them because she's in the club, too. So. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Alison McDowell uh, ended her higher side chest. I'm, I'm just... I'm, pl- I'm plugging... Higher side chest. I'm plugging Allison McGowan. I know. I just sent Greg an email yesterday telling him how how much I loved his RFK Jr. interview and how how tremendous it was. He's amazing. He's better than me. I try not to be derivative of him, but I definitely learn a lot from him, and I'm I'm very glad he's on this planet. Um, but this was interesting, and this is what I o- am always trying to do. Uh, this is why I got a degree in screenwriting. It's an assault on natural life by empire. Period. And we have to come at this from a place of global solidarity. And that is well said, but it scares me, Allison. I can't even get five (laughs) of my closest friends to take these concerns seriously. Despite the checkered history, people trust this system. How can we ever hope to move more people towards global solidarity? I think you just have to tell the better story. It's about controlling the narrative. Yeah. If you understand nanotechnology, the power of nanotechnology is that it's so small, it has a disproportionate impact. Like, that's why it can be so toxic. 
because at that scale, even tiny scales matter. You got to tell the better story, Charlie Robinson. We got to appeal to hearts and minds. Use their propaganda against them. <laughs> People speculate on the labor. Um, all right, well, should we finish with this? This is a uh, Thanksgiving recently happened. It's the holiday time. And uh, Klaus Schwab Jr. gave a little history of his family and how Thanksgiving came apart. And I thought this was kind of enlightening, although he's a psychopath. Hello, my slaves of Instagram. It is your favorite oligarch, Klaus Schwab Jr. It is Thanksgivings now. And it is time to give Thanksgivings to the Native Americans. You see, they let the white settlers mooch and mooch food off them. So they got a lot of calories in their belly and they got the strength to go back and exterminate the Native Americans. So thank you, Native Americans, for feeding us in this way. And then the bankers could go in and set up banking centers and charge interest to the settlers and then charge taxings to the interest on the settler peasants. Then we could give them propaganda that they, we make them pay for. It is great for us. And now we are getting ready to exterminate them. Thank you for your participation in your own extermination. Thank you for this. Oh, he always ends weird. It gets a crescendo of uh, negative energy. Um, but yeah, it's it's a power boner. The genocide uh, season. That is, um, well, happy holidays. <laughs> happy I holidays guess, for one. Um. The Octopus, the Global Control dot com. Guess it's Charlie Robinson. I know he's wearing a shirt. Union of the Unwanted. Um, I was supposed to do that. I got invited, but when it was my turn to be on, I woke up on a dirty couch outside my apartment, and Klaus Schwab Jr. logged in my account, and he actually did that episode, episode twenty nine, I think it is. So, of Union of the Unwanted. I'm wearing uh, the White Dragon Society t-shirt uh, from nice. Ben Fulford's website. I got this in an Illuminati meet, uh, you know, from benfulford.net, but it, in the, the Illuminati practice of being a credit to my community. That's how I earned this shirt. I go to boxing. I hold pads for street kids. So I, being a credit in your local community is the only occult degree you have to wear this shirt proudly. Um, uh, again, benfulford.net. And we have a sponsor for this program, ACBD Remedy. It's right here, acbdremedy.com. Use promo code ERIC for 20% off your order. I like the pain and inflammation stuff because it uh, uh, is good for sleepy times. Um, any plugs? You got a new book coming out, Hypocrisy. Is it out yet? It's out. Yep. Where can people get it? Did you have get? it? Didn't I send it to you yet? For uh, God's sake. I don't think so. Well, I'll send it to you. Send it over. Uh, yes, it's, a, it's Hypocrisy, Surviving in a World of Cultural Double Standards. That's available on Amazon as a paperback and as a Kindle. Or you can get it directly from my website in digital format if you go to theoctopusofglobalcontrol.com and you donate 10 bucks. Uh, I'll send you the new book, or you donate 15 bucks or more, I'll send you the, the Octopus book as well, both in digital format, so you can bypass uh, Amazon if you'd like to do it that way. I certainly understand. So. And uh, I recommend macroaggressions, macroaggressions, wherever podcasts are served. You can find it in video format on David Icke's platform, Iconic, on Rockfin, on Odyssey, and sometimes on YouTube. I did episode 171, Highway to Hell, and I, I 
you know, we had a great episode that time, if I do say so myself. Thanks, Charlie Robinson. You're a good friend of mine. You're a big sweetie. And uh, sorry, I sometimes Klaus Schroep Jr. leaves your weird voicemails late at night. I apologize for that. I understand. It yeah. happens. <laughs> okay. All right, brother. <laughs> See you later. See you. Mm-hmm.